hello and welcome to you're wrong about musicals i'm esme and i'm now and today we are going to be talking about a christmas carol christmas carol but first some news what have we got do i have a... I this... About this. this is not week. news it's just about last week <laughs> it's news to us <laughs> me and Esme were literally just talking about this before we started recording yeah. so <laughs> I think both of us have only listened to it I watched it as well well you've never watched um, the bootleg but you did watch it I've never watched the bootleg however before we recorded Anastasia I may or may not have watched some form of Anastasia yeah um, I can't even say it's the movie because I don't think I own the movie anyway <laughs> um, but I, like, I watched it but I didn't properly, I put it on like two times speed and I skipped through a lot of it because I was like, I know the plot of Anastasia the musical, you know, I know, mm. I just need to refresh myself. Mm. And I watched it and I was like, I love this musical, this is a really good musical, I can go and talk about this and talk about how much I love it. And then we talked about it for what felt like five hours and the whole conversation was, I love this musical. Yeah, so Anastasia, because basically, <laughs> Great Comet was a beast. Actually, yeah. I'm really proud of the Great Comet episode. Um, we did quite well on it. I think I think I feel like it's probably one of our best ones. However, the foot like the actual like audio recording was two and a half hours long. I was like, okay, that kind of makes yeah. sense. I put um Anastasia into iMovie. I use iMovie to edit, guys. It's a high tech podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is two and a half hours long, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, we talked a lot. And uh, we won't say anything new at any point. We were just being like, I love this musical. This song is good. This song is good. This song is good. Um, and we talked about that. And throughout it, I don't know how much was kept in, but I just kept saying, I'm going to go and like listen to this and rewatch it after this recording. Yeah. Like, I want to go either... and watch it again. It was either that or it was like, anyway, so here's some hyper specific knowledge about the USSR. Yeah. I also forgot when I was, <laughs> the point I'm getting to is, I went back and rewatched it like all the way through. Yeah. And me and Esme, we we've talked about this app. We have this app called Airbuds where it will tell you when you're like twinning with someone when you're listening to the same music. And we kept getting notifications being like, you and Esme are listening to Once Upon a December. You all and Esme we. Are to Journey to the Past. It was just like twinning. So it was either Anastasia or it was just like Christmas music. Yeah. But we just kept listening to it. And then I like watched it again. I was like, I love this. Music. This is so good. I just keep listening to it. If it's bad. My um, my my. Because every week, Airbuds like do like a week in review, and it was the most unhinged like thing ever. It was we like both had Christy Altima, <laughs> like at number two. <laughs> like if you saw an increase in streams, it was just us. Sorry, we've got really into Anastasia for the week. Okay, so my unhinged earbuds last week was like a weird week, guys, for me. So my artist, Taylor Swift number one every okay. week, except for when it's not. Then it was Chrissy Altimore, then it was Labours. But my top songs, nothing that I've just read off, actually, there's a Taylor song. So it was Waiting Room by Phoebe Bridges. Check that for you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> then it was Getting Older by Billie Eilish, and then it was Stay Don't Go. Mine was my top artist. A little embarrassing. It was Wilbur Sir because okay. he released a new um, EP and I was listening to it because it's very relatable to me right now. The okay. second was Christy Altamont and then it was James Marriott. And my top songs were Around the Pomegranate by Wilbur Sir, In My okay. Dreams by Christy Altamont, and Once Upon a December by Christy Altamont. 
I mean, no Andy. Any week without Andy is a win. Shocking, truly. I haven't listened to it. I think the, the Spotify wrapped results put me into a state of shock. I haven't been able to listen oh, to yeah, much guys. Spotify wrapped happened. We said it would, and then literally 24 hours after recording, Spotify wrapped did yeah. occur. Um, now. I got a message from Andrew Lloyd Webber. So did Let's I. Let's just get it out of the way. Yeah, but he was my top message. Like, it only showed you your top message, and mine was from. Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, and I had to just deal with that. Because <laughs> all year we were joking, Nell's going to get a message from Andrew Lloyd Webber, not thinking that she actually yeah. would, because we didn't think he was going to partake. Yeah, I was like, he's not going to record a message. I'm going to get someone else, and it's going to be fine. It's going to be your, like, you know? second artist. Yeah. It's like, it'll be, like, James Marriott or Lovejoy, or someone normal like that. Yeah. No. Like, Andrew Lloyd Webber decides... I honestly would have preferred it was like Jeremy Jordan. Can you imagine if Jeremy Jordan sent me a message? Oh, Jeremy. God. He writes, thanks so much for listening to me. Come and see me in The Great Gatsby. Oh, yeah, guys. Anything you say, Jeremy. Gatsby Corner might be back this week. <laughs> it's been a tough week for us. God. Yeah, no. Um, My top genre was Broadway, though. Yeah, mine was either Broadway or show tunes. I think I have listened to, I've been listening to the Phantom West End recording a ton. So I think that counts as like show tunes rather than Broadway. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of actual news. Oh, wait, one more thing on Spotify Wrapped. The podcast oh, yeah. got wrapped. And we got to see the fact that we were in some of you guys' top podcasts, which is really cool. It is crazy. Like, we love Spotify Wrapped. We celebrate it like it's a national holiday. And so the yeah. fact that we're in someone else's Spotify Wrapped is really cool. Thanks if that's one of you guys. Thanks for sharing it and like doing all that sort of stuff. Thanks for listening and thanks for sharing. Thanks, thanks, thanks for putting up with whatever random rant we decide to go on in a certain week without any yeah. reasoning. Um, anyways, news. Proper news. Actual news. Um... Noah Galvin is nominated for Best Supporting Performance at the Indie Spirit Awards for Theatre Camp. Oh, yeah. Theatre Camp's out on Disney Plus today in the UK. Oh, really? Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, Diana the Musical in concert happened. Oh, God, did it happen. It was pretty good. Um, my favourite part was finding out Matthew Healy's mum is playing all, was, was playing Elizabeth. It's, it's pretty good. So I've been thinking about the fact that there's a chance Matty Healy knows about the Diana musical. It honestly looked fine. Like, it's Diana the musical. It's a bit insane. But it looked like a pretty good production. Yeah. I have no complaints about Diana the musical. Like, happen. I don't I don't know what else to say on it. It does not count as, like, show news. Like, Broadway news. What? George Santos. Yes, no, this does actually count. <laughs> He got so George Santos got expelled from Congress again. Dad, I'm so sorry. Um, my dad like thinks George Santos is amazing. Sympathy <laughs> with Andrew Lloyd <laughs> Yeah, George Santos is my dad's Andrew Lloyd But this does count as Broadway news because um one of George Santos's lies was that he produced Spider Man: Turn Off the Dark. It's just it's it's insane. He's it's my, insane. It's my favourite George Santos lie. Yeah. Oh, this one's big news for me specifically. 
Yeah. Andy Carl reprises role as Phil Connors in the Australian cast of Groundhog Day the musical. Nell's going to Australia. I'm honestly would. <laughs> yeah, you'd get over your fear of your hatred of long flights. Yeah, and like, take my fear of spiders and shit. Take the longest one possible. What else has happened? Um, Mary, we roll along. Oh my god! Extended. <laughs> what have you found? I've just remembered something that happened this week. What? <laughs> the playbill listing. Fuck <laughs> off! It's such good. So ridiculous. Scammers have been really winning this week. Actually, scammers have been down this week with George Santos and whatever the hell happened with Undead Valley. Is that what it's called? If you um, don't, yeah, I think so. If you don't know, it's been very well documented on the internet. Just Google it. Yeah, I think Playboy themselves have even put out an article talking about what went down. But her, my favorite part was Norm Lewis having to say he had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> if Norm Lewis was in it. I was really tempted. I was gonna like quote retweet it and be like, "But guys, this could be my big break." There was a part of me that was like, "It would be really funny if I auditioned." Like, I sent in an audition. <laughs> Betsy but Wolf was for travel. Betsy Wolf was like joking about it on TikTok. Um, um, the only other thing I think of, which I think we briefly—I don't know if it's come out actually—but I definitely brought it up last episode. Um. Andrew Lloyd Webber said Broadway is now almost a vanity project. Yeah, my favourite one was that um he what's been his entire career then. My brother in Christ, you wrote you wrote a sequel to the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> oh yeah. To be fair, okay. okay. I don't want to be the one to defend Andrew Lloyd Webber. Because what he's given us a track record. Out of the two of us you rich coming from him. Out of the out of the two of us, you are the Andy defense. Yeah, I feel the need to. If you read the article, which I did, because it was actually quite an interesting point. Okay, the no, what he is, is saying is very interesting. Of costs yeah. from Broadway have gone ex- um um through the roof to the point where it doesn't yeah. really make sense. The the proper context was he was basically talking to investors, like British investors. And he was trying to say, just a bit rude, to be honest, considering a lot of his successes on Broadway. But he was like, you've got to stop putting your money into Broadway. Give me your money in instead. England is where the theatre scene is at. England is my city. I think there is something to be said for, like, innovation on the British stage. But yeah. No. Going on. I like that Starlight Express set a lot. You do. You, you, um, you love that Starlight Express. Um... Oh yeah, Merrily is extending. I like yeah, the. Me- I like no. I get why it's, it's making a shit ton of money, and yeah, because two people can buy tickets and they've made nearly two grand. <laughs> they got paid for them making a lot of money. They got paid for Daniel Radcliffe's salary. Actually, I don't think yeah, Daniel Radcliffe. Two people can buy tickets and they paid his salary. Yeah, I don't think Daniel Radcliffe's like I. Daniel Radcliffe is probably doing it. For less money than he should, which I, which is one of the things I respect about Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, he's made a ton of like money. So I like that he's made enough money where he's like, I'm gonna go do sometimes weirdest flop. Bye. Like that's fun. Yeah, we heard from the Broadway gossip man, aka the sweaty oracle, that Great Gatsby is still going to Broadway. So praise Jesus, guys. I was getting worried there for a second. I was like, oh, I don't think it's happening, guys. It's 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 looking a bit Jova for us. 
And then Freddy Oracle was screaming about how he doesn't want it to happen. And I was like, yes, greatest news ever. Anyway, no. Uh, there's one other thing I was going to say. By the time that this is out, the Watson Stage Award nominations will be out. Thanks uh, for that. Uh-huh. Any predictions? Oof. Anything but mince me. Anything but mince me. If not, then I will do something drastic. You're really sad. That's I a joke. Like, um, That's a, it's a joke. Yeah. I'd like to see some newsies nominated for, for something. We did newsies? these awards together. We like filled them out. Yeah. Next to normal, I'd love to see something oh. for Phantom. Bake I Off think it deserves it. Bake Off. I love. I can't wait to talk about all of these shows next week. Next week, Oklahoma, obviously. Mm. Segway. Um, let's get into. A Christmas Carol. We should also say, um, like last week and the week before, actually, we did study a Christmas Carol. I'll be at GCSE, so it's been a while. Um, when I was watching it, Christmas Carol. When I was watching it, like, oh, when Ignorance and Want came out, I was like, I forgot about these guys. I never forget. I actually, I don't know if I've showed you this. I don't think I have yet. I made notes as I was watching it because I was like, I need to remember what I'm thinking. They're not uh, great notes, but it's just so I could be like, here's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I was going over my head today. Guys, if I'm a bit off, I'm quite hungover. <laughs> yeah. I also, guys, I submitted my essay 10 seconds before it became overdue. Um... Round of applause for now. Thank you. I was, I was at a Christmas party last night. It was really cute and wholesome. Right. Anyway, a Christmas Carol. The musical. A Christmas Carol, a musical, has a book by Mike Oakrent, um, and Lynn a- Lynn Ahrens returning to our our good friend. Music by Alan Menken and lyrics by Lynn Ahrens. It is a one act, only having fourteen scenes in the whole show and 19 musical numbers i was gonna say one of my notes was this is very anastasia in that <laughs> there is a line of dialogue and then a song and then a line of dialogue and then a song and yeah. it goes on like that yeah no because we watched the tv movie um yeah and it is a sharp insane cast by the way <laughs> insane what the hell um and then I was like, when I was putting this together, I was like, oh, they literally just like put it on state, put it on screen, and he didn't have to make any cuts, and you can tell. So the thing I found out is I'm pretty sure they from the original production to the final production and the production that was turned into the film. Yeah, they've added songs. They used to be less songs. Mm. Um, the biggest one for me is um um a place called Home. Yeah, I love that song. So originally it was just the one with Scrooge and Emily, which is I love that song. That's actually how I know Christmas Carol the musical because someone recommended they were like, I think a place called Home would be a good audition song for you. I was like, I've yeah. never heard of that. And I listened to it and I was like, wow, good Christmas Carol the musical, slaps. Um, but so it was originally just the song with Scrooge and Emily. Yeah, and then they added the bit with Scrooge and Ben. Oh, I always forget. I there's certain parts that, like I I mean all in, in total I probably read the book 
solidly like three or four times through just like overstudying it bit weak we were really much shit every week with it i'll say his name actually and you can keep this in mr kelly english year 10 i'll put some people on the map here i'd like to shout out ben and i won't say his last name but who got to play the clock in every chapter <laughs> i sat next to him that's so bad um, behavior i know i think i read his bell for like one chapter and she's kind of only in one chapter yeah so. okay so i was thinking about this today and i was like is this just like my hangover brain like not working but there's a character called bell but but i was like there's so, fan and then there's emily so where's the bell okay i have a few problems i was gonna wait to get to like our thoughts to get into this no, okay let's actually let's actually Let's park this. I just Let's wanted to know what this show is. <laughs> I just wanted to know I wasn't going insane. No, you're not. Okay, good. Because I really there thought I was. In the book. Yeah, I was like, there's a character named Belle, but I think I'm going insane because I was listening to it um, on my little walk earlier. But yeah, so it was developed in the nineteen uh, in the nineteen nineties for Madison Square Garden when they approached Alan Menken to gauge his interest on writing an adaptation of the Charles Dickens A Christmas Carol. It was designed to play a limited run at the 5,000-seat Paramount Theatre, which is now known as the Theatre at Madison Square Garden. Since this article has been written, it's now been renamed the Hulu Theatre. It's kind of a shit name. Like, all the ones it's had have not been great names for a theatre. No, it's like it's like, it's like like a stadium. It's like 5,000 seats, so it's not, it, if you it look at it... It doesn't look like a theatre, like, on the inside. Menken was given the ability to ensemble ensemble his own creative team of collaborators to work with for the project. It included uh, Mike uh, Auckland and Susan Stroman and Lynn Ahrens. Uh, Lynn Ahrens said, I was on, I was upstate on a little vacation and the phone rang. And David uh, Michael from MSG asked me if I wanted to do a project with Alan Menken. And he had requested me. Uh, my biggest concern was my partnership with Stephen Flaherty. I didn't want to jeopardise that. I said, I'd love to do it, but I need to run it by him. And of course, Stephen said, that sounds like a wonderful opportunity. Do it. Well, it is. It's Alan Menken. It's Alan Menken. And like, the two of them are kind of like Disney, or like, prin- or like princess and fairy tales. Mm. Like, that's their shit. Uh, Alan was kind of a motivating factor for me being offered this musical. I was so excited to do it because I got to work with Mike Awkward and Susan Stroman and the scenic, uh, scenic designer, Tony Walton, costume designer, William Ivy Log, all for the first time. I thought, this is an incredible opportunity to work with these geniuses. Working with Mike, Lynn, and Stro, he's just shortened Susan Stroman's name to Stro, thanks Alan Menken. <laughs> He really went to the Andrew Lloyd Webber school of referring to people. Yeah, you can tell who he likes. <laughs> um, on a Christmas carol, they're just workhorses. It's no nonsense, we just knocked it out. We had eight to ten intense meetings and set a very detailed blueprint of everything we wanted to do. Mike Auckland had a very detailed mind. So, on adapting the show... I think it's a very hard thing to adapt. Yes. Because a lot of the stuff... First of all, it was 2004. Uh, the no. movie, at least. I'm uh, so, so, yeah. The movie's 2004. The original production is the 90s. It's like 93, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. About half the book is spent with them flying over London. 
That's yeah. going to be tough to do on stage and in 2004. Yeah. The whole concept of the ghosts is pretty hard to do <laughs> on stage and in 2004. Yeah. All of the stuff like that. It's a very, because it's so like, the whole thing takes place in a dream. That's kind of spoilers for A Christmas Carol. If you, if you don't know what it's about, it's about redemption. That's um, a key theme. That's a key theme. Yeah, but a lot of it takes place in dreams. So there's some fantasy to it. Yeah. See, I say it would be hard to do on stage, but then, you know, I think of Phantom from the 80s and I think, well, would it really be? It's been compared to Phantom. Mega musical. It's been compared to Phantom. Yeah. It's 1800s. Of course it's compared to Phantom. It's 1800s and British. Yeah. I think think at least the movie, in my opinion, (laughs) did very well for 2004. That's the other thing. Both Phantom and A Christmas Carol got movies in 2004. Maybe Um... that's why I like this so much. (laughs) I I really enjoyed watching it. Oh, yeah. No, we'll get into it when we get into our thoughts because I took a moment to come around to it and then, like, once it hit, I was like, oh, I like this. I really, really like this. (laughs) It's fun. Um, one of the challenges for Mike and I as book writers was making a story that felt dramatic, that had a dramatic arc to it. Even though the Christmas Carol originally goes from this emotionally deprived man all the way to the end when his heart opens up, all the beats along the way are kind of formulaic with the three ghosts which the audience expects. We had to find a way of making it feel fresh and dramatically satisfying. I think it was a big challenge to adapt a famous novel that did did honour to the novel, but give it a chance to get other characters involved. What are the solutions? I say, yeah, that if you're going to make A Christmas Carol into a musical, mm. I don't necessarily see the point in trying to make it something fresh. No. No one is going to see something called A Christmas Carol the musical and be like, well, I hope this isn't just a carbon copy of the book. Who'd want that? On. <laughs> Who'd want that? I think it is all right. It can just be a good book. Yeah, but it's fun. I have a lot of thoughts on this musical. (laughs) One of the solutions that they found was to open up A Christmas Carol and make London itself a character and highlight the rich and the poor and everyone in between as they celebrated Christmas. There's a wonderful song in A Christmas Carol that I love called Christmas Together. Uh, explains Aaron's is a wonderful moment on Christmas Eve when everyone in London is celebrating Christmas in their own way. There are sailors coming to town that are going to have Christmas with the hookers down on the docks. There's wealthy families and poor families. Wealthy families are beautiful having concerts in their lovely homes and poor families are celebrating that they have an orange or a small chicken. It's a very epic number that goes all around Christmas in London. The sets are magnificent and the costumes were magnificent. It told such a story. I feel like that was something that was wonderful challenge to try and accomplish and show all of London celebrating and this poor man named Ebenezer Scrooge peering into windows and see what half people did it. Great moments to me. I felt that it was too focused on London. Interesting. In a very, in a very like Christian way. Yeah. Um, the book is very much like everyone in the whole wide world celebrates Christmas because it's a magical time of year when Christ was born and a fat man comes and gives us presents. I mean, I mean, um, when they have us watch for school like a documentary like how Charles Dickens saved Christmas. Yeah. Because Christmas was kind of fading as a holiday, at least in the UK, and then... They were losing their religion. 
No, it was just more the fact that Christmas was, I don't know. My brain's not working it was, today. It was the UK and it, it's a season of shit weather. Mm. There was an industrial revolution. You know, it wasn't a great time. But the point, like in the novel... And Charles the Dickens needed there, some money. Yeah. He ruined Christmas the chapter a week. Yeah. Um, five staves. Staves, not chapters. Because it's yep. music, like a carol. Yep. The, uh, the, the bit that that song, Christmas Together, is adapted from the book. Because I, I remember exactly what bit it's adapted from. But that bit, they fly all over the UK. Yeah. So they're like, <laughs> they go up north to like the mining towns. So like, here are these poor, poor people who work in the mines and they live in huts, but they're still celebrating Christmas. And Ebenezer Scrooge is not. Yeah. It's, I think the point of it is it's meant to be the whole world loves Christmas, which it makes more sense for it to focus on London. Yeah. I did quite like the global aspect. It's so ridiculous. The global aspect of a Christmas carol. Like, yeah, this guy who had like never left England in his life I was like, yeah, Wait, yeah, no. yeah. Everyone board- in the world celebrates Christmas. His um, his boarding school. Scrooge goes to boarding school. Who? Scrooge. Yeah, it's not out of. He's not that rich. He's quite poor no. actually growing up. Yeah, he's quite poor. Wherever he is during his childhood when he's separated, that's outside of London, isn't it? He's so yeah. So this man's not ventured far from London. I think. Maybe, especially adapting it for an American audience, it was just easier to be like, London, Charles Dickens, everyone's got, everyone's got bad Cockney accents. Could you imagine? Yeah, but it's London and then suddenly they're off of, like, Nottingham. <laughs> like, the people here celebrate Christmas Day. They're off in Liverpool. <laughs> and Birmingham. <laughs> um, the thing is, like, the whole time I was watching it, I was yeah. constantly flipping between like, oh, this is adapted differently from how it is in the book. And I don't yeah. know if I like that change. And then you think about it for a second and you're like, no, actually, this makes a lot of sense for the musical. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'd like that they just centred it on London. Mm. But then you think about it, I was like, no, because can you imagine if they tried to do not only the whole of the UK, but the whole world? Yeah. Like, the only way it would possibly work was if they were like, we're looking at London. And now we're looking at New York City. And they celebrate Christmas. Yeah. And now we're back in London to do the rest of the show. Yeah. That's a lot of my notes. It's like, they changed this, but I don't think it was a bad change. No. I think is a bad change. I, we'll, I, yeah. we'll get into it, because I, I do have quite a few thoughts. So, it would premiere at the Paramount Theatre on December 1st, 1994, which is a 6,000-seat theatre. They all like range between 5,000 and 6,000 everywhere, so it's something slightly different. Um, it would be the first time that this space would have a proper musical done there. It would cost $13 million to produce. And some of the design... Terrible. Really... Like, I mean, this was a couple years... This was, like, 20 years ago. Oh, no, over that. spectacle. 30 years ago. Fuck yeah, off. 30 years ago. Fuck you off. weren't alive. That isn't well, a big deal to you. I wasn't there. I was just like that's that like, seems I'm weird. Anyway, 20. yeah, that I was born seemed... ten years after this was put on, and I'm twenty. Some yeah. of the designs were match sellers, fake snow, a flying Scrooge with a cast of a hundred, a wraparound Victorian set with design of uh by Walton that enveloped the audience in all size and a dizzying array of costumes. There would be four hundred. Sound beautiful. Four hundred costumes exact as black light and holographic effects with a ticket price being uh $19 to 
fifty nine dollars in nineteen ninety six. I hate inflation. It's not just inflation to blame, How did but we like lose this. Yeah, we have lost the plot so like severely. A beautiful set and costume for nineteen dollars. Yeah, that's pretty. That's like fifteen pounds. Yeah, that's mad. I mean, you can still go. I mean, in the UK, you can go see shows for fifteen pounds. Yeah, but you like. I'm assuming, obviously, it's not like the best seats in the house. Gonna no. But also, to be fair, that does kind of, you know, do the spirit of the Christmas Carol. Yeah. You know, like everyone but should also be like, to enjoy Christmas. Uh, yeah. Whether you have $19 or $59, <laughs> you can enjoy a Christmas Carol. <laughs> but, like, £15 is, if you want a ticket for that, you have to, like, wait for a sale if a show goes on sale. It's... It's like it's a sale or like rush tickets, and you're not gonna get a good seat. Because I know Which that is fine. Yeah, no, the we... theaters aren't massive. I guess in a like five thousand, six thousand seat theater, it might be worth it to you know put in a bit more money for a good seat. Yeah. Um, I was like, that's not a real thing, and then I remembered that I literally have, I literally got an offer through for um the Stephen Sondheim Old Friends for fifteen quid today. Yeah, oh no, I've gotten like a ton for like. I've seen one recently for ten pounds, but I might be making so, The producers hoped that it would go in competition with the Radio City Music Hall Christmas Spectacular. Oh, with the yeah, yeah, so like, but the Rockheads is an institution. Oh yeah, but I get what they were trying to do with it. Um, with the lead producer saying that people who who have seen Radio City show like it but they're ready for something new radio city did not view it as a competition i think for me okay the thing that changed my mind on like wanting to see like radio city and the rockets yeah was finding out that the wooden soldier fall takes five minutes yeah like on stage that's ridiculous i want to see like, it just it's... fall <laughs> just fall we don't care at this point, I'm like, I want to see it because, like, it's just one of those things. I think I'm I'm going to see the Nutcracker. I have confirmation. Um, yeah. wait, I'm wait. seeing the Nutcracker, and I I love ballet. I don't know if you guys know this about me. I love watching ballet. Yeah. Um, but like the Nutcracker, like actually going and like paying it's so expensive, but actually going and like paying the money to go and see it. I'm like, I don't know if it's worth it, but I want to do it at least once. I don't. I used to feel that way about like the Rockettes, and I'm like, who cares? I see their practice videos every year on TikTok. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I, I mean, on TikTok, I can watch the Toy Soldier full sped up, and it doesn't yeah. take five minutes. So yeah, I mean, yeah, fair, fair enough. I've seen. It used to be a thing. My uncle, my uncle used to take me and my sisters to go to the ballet every Christmas. So I think I've seen the Nutcracker. Yeah. No, I think I have. Because I remember going and being you like, oh, I act- You must have seen it. Because normally it was like Matthew Bourne's Sleeping Beauty. Whereas this time I was like, I actually think I know the plot. Anyway, yeah, they would not view it that way. And at this time, Madison Square Garden hoped that Christmas Carol would be replicated with the head of marketing hoping that they were thinking of bringing Dickens back to London. Like a couple of reviews. One's from when it was first um, reviewed in the 90s. And then like one's from its like last run, like last season. Because often with these kind of shows, they like get 
I don't want to say get worse over time, but like no, but I know what you mean. I know what you outdated. Mean. Some, especially something like this where it does seem quite technical heavy. Yeah. Variety said Madison Square Garden wants a slice of the Christmas pie, pretty much owned until now by Radio City Musical, recognizing that it probably won't make sense to replicate the venue's format of Radio City's Christmas Spectacular, The Garden, and its par- partner Nickelodeon Family Classics, along with executive producer Roger Prods. Put together a team of A-list talent headed by composer Alan Menken to create an adaptation of A Christmas Carol. The result is pretty much what you'd expect for a musical built for 5,500 people sitting. The show begins with thunderous percussive explosion, rumbling organ, crashing cymbals, barring brace on Tony Walton's wraparound London cityscape set. It's so big you could park Norma Desmond's mansion there and you wouldn't even notice it i tried to find photos of the original set and i just couldn't because i like i could find like close-ups of people but i couldn't find like a zoomed out image if you get what i mean yeah um i see what you mean it is just very it's annoyingly zoomed in yeah anywho spectacle is the operative word here everything is big very colorful and very loud it's also extremely difficult to follow despite being very faithful to the to charles dickens it's almost totally devoid of warmth, and much of its 90-minute duration, it may as well have been a football game going on up there. The cast of seventy of more than 70, plus a couple of children choirs thrown in for good measures, staging this monster is more akin to traffic control. Still, it is done fluidly, and an awkward and Strowman trademark. Considerable humour, especially in the big dance number, Link by Link, which is in which an animated ghost of Jacob Marley and a platoon of ectoplasmic. Ectoplasmic. I've never heard that word before. You must have, like ectoplasm. No, I know what it means. I've just never like. I know what I've heard of ectoplasm. I've just not heard of it like that. Um, ectoplasm. It is a weird word. It's a weird word, but it's it's used in a right context. Like I don't know how else you describe it. Accomplices outlines for Scrooge. The many ways in which his life can go wrong. This may be an inevitable result of the show, so amplified, so removed from the audience that we may as well be watching robots out there. The score is overwhelmed but gimmicky. It is such a shame because Menken has no equal in writing accessible tunes. Aaron's is very intelligent, sentimental writer, perfectly suited for the assignment. Um, the New York Times said the latest entry in the annual holiday entertainment sweepstakes, the musical version of a Christmas Carol at the Paramount Theatre makes for a pleasant 90 minutes but never quite delivers to uplift you from the story of the words famous skinflint and how he rediscovers his conscience um give them a b from their considerable efforts and hope that the sh- uh that in years sheer the show's heart will grow stronger the mandate was a to fashion a Christmas attraction to rival the lucrative Christmas spectacular at Radio City Musical. To that end, they have taken the Dickens tale and almost thrown a great deal of money at it. A lot has struck, as in most musicals these days, they have more of a suggestion of Vegas about a Christmas carol. The eye is contoured to turn with special effects to come on a regular basis and the street sense doesn't lack warmly dressed bodies and an old beggar. Yeah. Um. So those are the original reviews from the run, basically saying it's massive. It's a spectacle. Yeah. It would play its final like season in two thousand and three, 
and Theatre Mania would say, now in its tenth and final season at Madison Square Garden, at the theatre in Madison Square Garden, a Christmas carol and musical remains entertaining and enlivening spectacle that's very easy to like, but rather difficult to love. Wrong. I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you proudly proclaiming that you love it. I can love a Christmas carol. Yeah. Yeah. A Christmas carol the musical is unabashedly entertaining show with plenty of good music and a great deal of spectacle. Requires that length it is so inextricably to the British British mega musicals that have now all but vanished. How much longer can Santa of the Opera run? Twenty more years, baby. <laughs> until twenty twenty three. Literally exactly twenty more years. You will not believe how long Andy can keep that thing afloat. You would not believe it, Theatre Mania. <laughs> but, um these... will stay running. <laughs> Fan- yeah, there was genuinely a time when it was like the apocalypse came and Phantom was still running. Yeah. Oh my god, do we get to talk about COVID in this one again for the London production? Briefly. Yes. We get to talk about my favourite part of COVID, which was when London was put in its own special lockdown. It was when we were tier three and the rest of the country yeah. was like tier one. It's not school, but like, you still have to be in five days a week. Like, what the hell? So I can't, I can't go. To visit my aunt who lives in Essex, but if I can be around like a thousand other students, <laughs> it was insane. Like I can't go an hour and a half out of London. Was it like we 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 had to go to school every day, but we couldn't meet up outside of school? Yeah, rules of six. <laughs> it was stupid. It was an entertaining time, but the exception of. Orkrent, who died in 1999, all of the members of its creative team are still alive in forces today, with Stroman having gained special distinction as the choreographer and director. One more interesting thing about the show is how it offers the opportunity to see her work, how her work has evolved, and how it has not. Many of Stroman's trademark dance foundations can be seen in A Christmas Carol, from lengthy lines of dancers to tapping chorus girls in glittery costumes. The latter a nod to the Rockettes, but it feels a bit out of place for a show set in Victorian London. Yeah, there was a bit like that in the movie. It was um the bit with the ghost of Christmas present. Yeah. He was putting on a show and they just had a bit and I was like, this is the Rockettes. Which it did feel very out of place. It was like um the Ghost of Christmas Past costume. Yes! It was really like it had this massive slit up the side. Wow, I was like, is, is she in some kind of like perfume commercial? It's like, is she in lingerie? Like, what is she wearing? <laughs> she should be wearing more clothes. Um, yeah. Any of them. But yeah. It's synopsis time. It's a long one. That is, a, yeah, that's a paragraph. <laughs> Ever since that Christmas Eve seven years ago, when Ebenezer Scrooge buried his longtime friend and business partner, Jacob Marley, Scrooge's melancholy has settled into an eternal bitterness towards the holidays and his fellow man. His loyal but meek clerk, Bob Cratchit, is the constant target of his cruelty, and even Scrooge's own nephew inspires in his uncle no Christmas sentiment warmer than bar humbug. But this Christmas Eve is startlingly different. Scrooge has company. The ghost of his old partner has arrived to warn him of the consequences of the suffering he has caused and to extend an invitation for redemption. Charles Dickens' classic story of the Christmas spirit that still lives within embittered Ebenezer Scrooge 
is magically transformed into a musical event featuring a visitation of spirits from the past, present, and future, featuring memorable songs from Oscar nominee and Tony winner Lynn Ahrens and Alan Menken, the Oscar-winning composer of Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. And soon to be Newsies. Yeah, I'm like, where's Newsies? It was twenty. It was two thousand four. Yeah, and he still wrote. He still wrote Newsies. Yeah, like ten years later. No, he was still did the original movie. Yeah, but. That was shit. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Do you want to, where should we start with our thoughts? Um, or are we going to do this bit about the movie and the cast? Because I feel like we should. Should we just, yeah, quickly we mention... We only watched the movie. We didn't yeah. watch. Should we, yeah, mention some background. So yeah. after, uh, yeah, after it's brought at Madison Square Garden, it would become a TV movie. It was coming out in 2004. Um, the exact date being the 28th of November um, during Thanksgiving. It's technically a Hallmark movie. That's who produced Which it. Which is crazy. Yeah. But it aired on NBC and it starred Kelsey Grammer, Jesse L. Martin, Jay Kowski, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Geraldine. Geraldine Chaplin, Jason Alexander, and Ruthie Henshaw. Jane Krakowski was a shot. I was like, what? Like, I'd seen her name, like, being credited. I was like, yeah, sure. She but they didn't register. And then I was watching it, and she turned up. No, because here's the thing, like, I saw Jane Krakowski, and I was like, likely place for her to be. And then, like, when she turns yeah. up, because, um... One of my first thoughts was when, like, it, it was just the overture and they were just, like, panning through the streets of London. Was just, oh, yeah. my God. Every single Christmas Carol adaptation opens the same way. Yep. Even though the book starts with Marley was dead to begin with. That is Not exactly, nail. like... I don't know what's particularly dead about the doornail, but then again. Not... Not like, not like. Anyway, so here's some children running through the streets of London, and it's snowing, and it's Christmas Eve. To but no, fair, some some do where they start, and it's like Christmas Eve. I'm trying to remember the exact movie, and for some reason, I'm thinking it's the Muppets one, but it's almost definitely not. It's not the Muppets one because the Mu- uh, No, all of them start with shots through London, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's one where it's the shots through London, and it's like, oh, it's Christmas Eve, so merry and bright, and then it's like. Bam! And you see dead yeah, Marley. No, and that's the, the, that's the freaky animated one that they made us watch in school. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why I remember it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be so real. The only Christmas Carol adaptations that I like very clearly remember is number one, this musical one, because I finished watching it about like two hours ago. Um, <laughs> number two, Barbie and a Christmas Carol, because it slaps and it's <laughs> such a good movie. And number three, Muppets in A Christmas Carol. I actually believe that The Muppets is one of the most fateful adaptations because they have Kermit the Frog, like, speaking as a narrator. And that's quite true Um, to the book. But no, when it started and I was like, oh, God, this is... They all just feel the need to let us know that we're in Victorian England, even though everyone probably already knows that. Yeah. I was also... I was watching, I was like, now where exactly in London is this set? Yeah, I was because thinking Because they got that to the end and they zoomed well. out and St. Paul's was there. And I was like, so, no, it yeah. fucking isn't. My thought is it's like the city, because obviously it's taking place in the stock exchange, this version. Uh, I don't think it was... Okay, maybe it was. It was the Royal Exchange. Yeah, the Royal Exchange. Yeah. That's like in the city. But I was like, okay, this is going to sound so bad. Yeah. I just kind of always pictured it being like West London because you know like the big townhouses in West London what like Chelsea way yeah yeah. I was always like yeah 
Scrooge goes back there. Like, that's yeah. his house. Yeah, I mean... But it yeah. does make so much more sense for it to be, like, City of. Yeah, because no, the City of was, like, actually, like, London the back then. Yeah. And then, like, it, it spewed out. If anyone doesn't know, like, how why we're calling it the City, it's because... It's really weird. They're two separate things. There's the city of London, which is like Westminster and shit, and then there's Greater London, which is well, no, the, no. There's the city of London, which has its own police force and its own mayor. You are not about to start talking about Jack the Ripper. That's how I know about it, but I'm if not I saying. I have to more. hear like the Met Police versus the City Police. I'm not talking any more about Jack the Ripper because I'd like to forget it all. But no, I do think that fact is weird. It is. It changed. I don't want to talk about like the history of London, but it no. is crazy how much it changed in a relatively short period of time. No, it's insane. But no, um, it that was the first time I had the moment of oh, this is actually probably set like East London way. But then at the end, when St Paul's was there, I was like, and it was like a street away. <laughs> like they zoomed out, and it was like the next street over was St Paul's, and I was like, no, it isn't. I was like, I was like, are you guys gonna like put Big Ben in there for shits and gigs? Right, come on, just throw it in. Because that, that green screen that they had. So when I was first started watching it, I was a bit like, oh, this is weird. I, they all open it in the same way. Like, I feel like I've seen this before. All the way up until we got to Jane Kowski appearing in, like, a white summer's dress. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm in it. Okay, the beginning bit was me joking. I was like, this is bringing me back to December 2019, studying this damn book. The music as a whole. Yes. I kind of agree with a lot of the reviews. It is not good. Yeah. It's like, it's feel good. Like, it's fun to listen to. I was like, I'm enjoying this. This yeah. is nice. Yeah. And it was, I think, especially coming off of a week of obsessing about Anastasia, like, this is not good. Yeah. But it's not bad either. No. Um, I, I just like that they took away the fact that <laughs> they took away Scrooge's small business. Yeah. Um, he worked in the Royal Exchange. That really sucked. I didn't like the fact he that he was like, a small they... business owner. I didn't like the fact that they like gave Scrooge colleagues. Yeah. It was supposed okay, so to be. That I found really weird was then in the flashback then. Mm, yes. Like, I found this really weird. So they're like, he dies seven years ago, which is what happened in the book. Marley dies seven years before the story takes place. And they flash back to the night of his death. And Scrooge looks about 20 years younger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he did not age that much in seven years. But then when they're doing the flashback, they also own Scrooge and Marley's, like their little business. Yes. But then by the time you get to the actual story, he's in the Royal Exchange. Exactly. But also, like, it's just more of a depressing place if you have Scrooge in, like, this cold dark office yeah like i kind of get why because it was like oh look everyone else is so happy to be like closing early and like enjoying each other but then i feel like then bob cratchit's whole thing doesn't make sense yeah and like cratchit's wife keeps saying she doesn't have a name her name is literally just cratchit's wife it's mrs cratchit it's mrs yeah. cratchit yeah you're your curly's wife yeah the whole thing is, and she just keeps saying, like, 
oh he needs to like turn the heating on he needs to do this that and that did he let you put more coal on the fire which is a thing in the book like Scrooge is like you can't put more coal on because that costs too much money I can't afford to keep replacing the coal but that doesn't make sense in the royal exchange yeah but you could have so had that just like on the streets outside because he could have been like, I suppose you'll be wanting... Because that's a bit in the book. It's like, I suppose you'll be wanting to finish early, and I suppose you'll want tomorrow off. Yeah. I'm like, well, then you better come in early on the 26th. Yeah. Um, No Boxing Day, which sucks. Love Boxing Day, actually. Okay, this is another thing. Who the fuck is Mr. Smythe? What, Mr. Smythe? Yeah. The name sounds familiar, but it might just be an added. So, I recall this book very clearly. Yeah. You probably remember it better than Mr. I do. Mr. Smythe does not exist. Right. Because I was watching the introduction bit and they're following this father and his daughter around. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, who the fuck are these people? Like, is it just Has... they've chosen to focus in on one person? Yeah. Have they just been... go into the royal... Go into Scrooge's shop. This is when I still thought he had his own business. I was, like, ready. Also, often, like, if you present, like, a very bright and airy and merry place, then when you go into Scrooge's office, it's, like, quite cold and dark, and you're like, oh, yeah. he's evil. Yeah. But so they just introduce this guy called Mr. Smythe, and yeah. he keeps coming up throughout the story. And he takes away, like I said, they took away some of Cratchit's angst. <laughs> like, it's kind of Cratchit's angst they just gave to Mr. Smythe. And I was like, this yeah. sucks. At first I was like, oh, it's, like, showing the audience that Scrooge is evil and he only cares about money. I think you get I think you get that. Again, it's the thing, no one is going into a Christmas carol the musical blind. Like the no. thing is like like I went into Groundhog Day the musical blind because I and even then I didn't because I knew what like the concept of Groundhog you Day was. You knew the expression of it feels like Groundhog Day. Yeah, I understand it's a time loop and one of the guys is a dick. That's yeah. That's kind of all I knew. And I went in and that was fine. And you had the best time ever. It was great. Tune in next week, guys. I'm so excited. Um, no one is going into a Christmas crowd and being like, I'm not entirely sure if um, Scrooge is bad or not. Which yeah. actually leads me on to another point I have to make. Okay. Which was, they make Scrooge far too likeable. Yeah. He's, like, really like, he, they gave him too much, like, an angst in yeah. his story. Like, yeah. the kind of, like, he does, he's, like, abused. He goes to a boarding school where he's abandoned by his family and, like, abused and shit. And I mean, I like, felt... remembering that with Barbie. No, but no, that no, does no. happen. That does happen. I felt so bad for him when Cratchit died. Not Cratchit. Marley. When Marley died. I was like, no, When Marley did... died? I was like, why do I feel like I could cry for Scrooge right now? Yeah. Yeah, so it took me a moment to get into, but like once I was into it, I was like, this is like kind of ridiculous and fun. And if I turn yeah. my brain off, it's great. I got really excited when they did that. Are there no prisons? Yes. Are there no workhouses? Yes. Decrease the surplus population. Which would have been a good thing if they were to die. It would decrease the surplus population. population. Well, they. I really just... like Scrooge's song. It has nothing to do with me. And then the reprise at the end, I thought it was really cute. And I was like, and it has everything to do with me. Yeah, and then he has, oh, and then really is that when the ghosts like appear and are like, no, uh, I thought that. So I, I literally watched funny. this today. Yeah, I was taking breaks in between writing my essay, and I would watch like twenty minutes, make <laughs> notes, write my essay, write, and watch twenty minutes. 
I sat down with hot um, chocolate and popcorn and watched this. Well, there was one line that Scrooge delivered, and it was to Fred. And he was like, he was like, you're an excellent liar, Fred. It's a wonder you don't go into Parliament. <laughs> and it made me giggle. It's a stupid line. The one thing yeah. that this made me this this adaptation made me notice over other adaptations is how many fucking characters there are. Yeah, they added some. Um, Did they say that? Uh-huh. I'll get to that. Don't worry. Okay. I, I remember they added the Smites. Yeah, they other than exist the in the book. Yeah. Um. Oh, I said that at least one of these kids must have played Gavroche. They've got the voice. Yeah, they've got the Cockney <laughs> accent like down. When he was walking through London back home. Yeah. They have like these kids shouting. Okay, a, a change they made from the book. I really like how they did the ghosts. Yeah, I, I um, did enjoy that. I was like, that kind of makes sense. So I liked more. They played a lot more into it just being a dream rather than some divine intervention. Yeah. Where because so they had him very briefly meet these three characters on the street, and he was like a dick to all of them. Yeah, and then to the audience. Or to the camera in this case. They yeah. sing, you're going to regret that. You know, we're going to do something to you. But he We're going to get you, Mr. Scrooge. I think that's what they say. Yeah. And then he goes about it. Then he sees all the ghosts and stuff. Mm. And then the three ghosts are those three people he meets. Yeah. And then when he wakes up on Christmas and he sees them, he's really nice to them. He's like, ah, oh, the ghosts. You know, these are the ghosts. And they're like, what the fuck happened to that guy? Why is he suddenly <laughs> nice when he was a dick yesterday? <laughs> And they have another little bit where they like that all three of them sit together and everything, but they don't mention that they are the ghosts. They're just like, hmm, something must have changed his mind. Yeah. And I really liked how they did that. Because I think we we have to address this at some point in this podcast. Musicals are ridiculous. The whole oh. concept of them is ridiculous. Yeah. And when you're doing a story like a Christmas Carol, which is a pretty serious story, yeah. and you're making it almost comedic as it is in some points in this production. Yeah. You need some way to tie it down and making it about just redemption rather than the paranormal and the supernatural, which the book has. Mm-hmm. His ghost stories used to be Christmas stories, by the way. Yeah. Fun fact from learning about the book. <laughs> I just liked how they did it because it made it feel, it balanced it out more. Yes. This was like, this was so. I think in recent years, there's been a push for quite serious adaptations of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. So in like the 90s and 2000s, you had stuff like A Muppet's Christmas Carol and this adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Then you had yeah. that animation one that scared yeah. the shit out of me as a kid. You know the one I'm all about? Scrooge. Yeah, I <laughs> Yeah, it's like got Jim Carrey in it. I don't think I've watched Scrooge. And then there's one, then the BBC a couple of years ago did like an adapt, did like a series of it. Yeah. And that was, like, dark. Um, um, but yeah, I like that it was... I think with all adaptations, the plot is very simple, so it's very hard to lose the message. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't seen an adaptation that loses the message of what a Christmas Carol is. No. Um, but I feel like it's important to have the lightheartedness, because ultimately the whole thing is about being happy. Mm-hmm. And, like, the happy and, like, merry spirit of Christmas. Yeah. Speaking of, why did they give Tiny Tim rickets? Yeah, doesn't he normally have a like a, a crutch? <laughs> yeah, he has like a crutch, and it's my assumption was always it was like polio, and yeah. he survived but was yeah. disabled. Yeah, <laughs> they gave him rickets, and it's never explicitly said that he has rickets, but he has the rickets brace. But I don't understand why they changed that to just give him. Anyway, that was a little bit funny to yeah. me. I didn't like the Marley bit. Which, the ghosts. The ghost of Marley I didn't like. Yeah, 
his makeup was weird. Yeah. It looked like makeup. Which, again, it was 2004. That was a thing. Sorry, I just Googled it. Joe Alwyn played Bob Cratchit in that BBC series on there. Well, we've got to watch it. I'm not watching it. That man cannot act. Full way to Joe Alwyn. The thing is, I had to keep reminding myself. I was like, these, like, effects are shit. Yeah. It was 2004. Mm -hmm. I didn't like this. Why did Scrooge have a maid? He would not spend his money on something like yeah. that. He can make yeah, his yeah. own food. He can clean his own house. Mm-hmm. Why did he have a maid? Yeah. He would, like, Scrooge would rather live in squalor than have a maid. Like, that's the thing. They then, they made his entire house, like, barren, which is kind of true. It looked weird, but it's true to his character. He doesn't buy anything because he wants to save his money. Mm. But then they also just gave him a maid, which doesn't really make sense. Mm. I'm... Like, the bits with the maid were very familiar to me. And I was like, does he have a maid in a book? In the book, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't. No, yeah. I, I feel like this is a good thing to point out now. Mm-hmm. I probably should have said it closer to the end. I wouldn't call the musical, in particular, the film version of the musical, a faithful adaptation of the book. Interesting. However, it does stay pretty true to the book. They're yeah. like, oh, that's a line from the book. That's a line from the book. Like some of the mm. songs have lines from the books. There's yeah. Also, a lot of the iconic lines are in there. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of it is changed. And they've added stuff or taken away stuff. Actually, I yeah. think it's more they've added stuff than taken away stuff. So you, ha- you haven't lost anything. Yeah. But it's also a different kind of story than the book, which is fine. It's just... No, 100%. Yeah, no, um, it, is, it is different. And there were moments that I almost expected to be musicalised that just weren't. Yeah, that was the thing. It was There were so many songs. Yeah. Points that I expected to be songs weren't. Or stuff that I expected to be bigger, like Fezziwigs. Fezziwigs was still like a big number, but I don't know. I, I, really, I, think... I made a funny joke about Fezziwigs in, in these notes. <laughs> okay. Um, I said Fezziwigs' song is fun. Kind of mastered the house vibes of it. They weren't evil. That's pretty good. Um, as I said, they've got the Newsies dance thing. No, I found, I thought, I thought, I don't know, I thought Fezziwigs was going to be grander. Yeah. I like that it, it, I was torn on that because I was like, it should feel bigger. Mm-hmm. But also, I liked that it was kind of down to earth and realistic. I think especially because then, like, two scenes later, not even now, maybe like one scene later, they have him come and asking for money because he his business is... Um, okay, so... Okay. This is another thing that... I'm sorry. This is another thing they added, which, again, it just made Scrooge too likable because it yeah. gave him an actual point. Also... Why did they make his dad go to prison? No, yeah, 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 yeah. Because Why the whole thing was, his, his dad was like, oh, son, save your money so you don't end up like me and, you know, you can stay with your family yeah. and keep providing for them, which makes sense. And so then you get to stuff like when he's talking with Emily mm. and she's like, oh, I don't need a ton of stuff. I don't want a ton of money. I just want you. And he's like, well, you've never been poor. You don't understand. You need money. You know, yeah. love won't keep. His exact line was like, love won't keep you secure. Money will keep you secure. And I was like, he kind of has a point. Yeah. Like, he's kind also, of in the right. Yeah. No, on that, like, the second Scrooge is shown, like, his father or Fran, he like yeah. becomes very soft. Yeah, he's really like, and I feel like him being so like was both a blessing and a curse. Yeah, because on the one hand, you root for him the entire time. Like, yeah, you're like he needs to change. He cannot end up like Marley. He's really likable and nice. But also, but on it the other hand, his change isn't big enough. Yeah, and it it plays his 
misfortunes and some of the stuff he happens that happens in his life in a way that makes you feel like really bad for him like marley's death you're like oh i feel really bad for my i feel really bad for scrooge because he's lost a friend yeah like they have him die in front of him and as he's watching his youngest self cradle his best friend's body like older scrooge just goes he was the best friend he was the only friend i ever had and yeah. like jesus christ yeah and even like the fran stuff and like the fran and the and then being like yeah i've never met fred i don't want to she because I, I would never see Fran again. I was like... Yeah. And there's a, there's a bit when, like, I think it was the Grocery Christmas present. He's looking at Fred's party or whatever. Yeah. By the way, I hate that they did cut the bit of them all making fun of Scrooge. That's a really Do- iconic bit. Doing charades. Yeah, and they're making fun of Scrooge. That's a really iconic bit. Um, But when he's like, a toast to my Uncle Scrooge. And they're like, you know, oh no, he's evil. Why would we toast to him? And Fred's like, well, he can't be all evil. After all. He's the brother of my mother. He's and my I know brother. And even if I never met my mother, I hope I get to meet Scrooge someday. Yeah. And then Scrooge looks all soft. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you've made him too likable. You're supposed to hate Fred Scrooge. I liked how often they put in God bless us everyone because it yeah. felt like an actual thing rather than it just being a line at the end. They've changed two characters' names that I'm pissed about. Yeah. Number one, her name is not Fan. It's Fanny. Her name has always been Fanny Scrooge. And they changed yeah. it to Fan. Not even Fran. Fan. Fan. I was like, what? Secondly, they changed it from Belle to Emily. That's what I thought no it was. For apparent reason, her name is as Belle. I don't understand. Because I was like, I was like, I swear. There's like two girls in this. And it's... And then I was like, is Crat- Mrs. Cratchit's name Belle? But then I was like, no, I'm picturing like a, bo- a dance. So I was yeah. like, have they changed Emily's name? I was just going to say, I always forget how long the past bit is. Yeah. Like, that's when most of the stuff happens. Like, it goes on for, like, half the show. Normally, though, like, I am more of, like, a part, like, my favorite, my favorite, like, ghost is the ghost of Christmas past because you often get so much and you get so much, I don't know, understanding of Scrooge. My thing, oh, actually... I feel like this this is either in past or present, and I feel like it might be in present. Yeah. Um, and they cut it either way. But there's a bit in the book where it's right after him and Emily, mm. Belle. Belle. Book, when him and Belle break up, he then gets, I believe then it has to be past. Yeah. Um, he gets taken to see her current family at Christmas. Yes. No, so, it, so it's present. No, because like, it's like immediately after. Oh right, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So I feel like it was like, let's see how her Christmases have been going. Yeah, and he like sees her really happy with the whole family. Yeah, I did feel like because I think when we first ended up at Fred's, I was like, oh, we're seeing Emily again. Yeah, normally was my favorite part. Doesn't Fred like? I don't like the whole like. Oh, Scrooge was sent away to a workhouse or to work. He was sent to. He was sent to. I I don't know why they got rid of the boarding school. No. He was sent to work. It was meant to be that he sees all of his, well, friends is a strong word. Classmates. All of his classmates going home for Christmas and he's stuck there. Yeah. And then it's meant to be that Fanny comes. Yes. And yeah, and then Fanny's meant to come and what? like take him back and be like, oh, you can come back for Christmas. Brother. Oh, dear brother, like come with me. Yeah, Don't and he's like, me? oh, I was happy that Christmas. Yeah. Which I guess is what 
that first a place called I love the song by Sing Time. It's a it good, is such a good song. It's a good old song, um, and because they the musical oh. makes it a point to be like after he was sent away, he never saw Fan again. Again, and I was like, yeah, which I feel like is again. No, that's fair. <laughs> They're making it too tragic. I think I'm going to the Ghost of Christmas Present song. I didn't say yeah, a lot yeah. about him because it was a pretty short part, apart from like the rocket, the rockets bit. Um, oh no, she knows the Rockettes bit, which is what abundance and charity, I believe. That I was like, I guess because. But again, they just had the smites. Like they had, they had the little smite girl for apparently no reason. Yeah, but what I really liked about that, the moment where it clicked, and I was like, oh, this is very Christmassy, was um Christmas together. And like Christmas together is a very simple song. It's literally like, but I was like, it it doesn't need to be any more simple. It's just like it's you know. Christmas is pretty simple. It's like, all, it's basically getting across the message that Christmas is all about being with people. Yeah. And Scrooge is alone. I was going to say, I think the Ghost of Christmas present would be really fun to stunt cast. Yeah. They're, cast, they're stunt casting Scrooge. No, 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 no. No. The Ghost of Christmas present is the perfect one to stunt cast. Oh, also about Scrooge. Yeah. Um, In a place called home is old Scrooge, like ghost, like present day Scrooge singing along with Emily. He sings bits of it. I liked that choice. I was like, that's, that's yeah. pretty sick. I did like, a lot of the songs were themes throughout, like you could hear the A Place Called Home melody so many times. Yeah. yeah. As well as the um, the one his mum sings when his father gets sent to jail. Yeah. Which happens. The like, the star one, I have no idea what this is. No, I know exactly um, what you mean. My first thought when Christmas Present appeared, mm. I was like, you know who could do this role in a very funny way? Who? Todrick Hall. Yeah. No. I was like, it's not the perfect role for him. Like, there are a ton of others. Like, and then as he starts seeing more, I was like, Lin-Manuel Miranda could do this. Lin- would it be good? Not necessarily. No. But would it be fun? Would I be entertained? Exactly. I was like, yes. that's the role to stunt cast. Yeah. It's fun. Also, like, they don't actually have to, like, be on stage that much. Um, I, was gonna, I, I also think Jeremy Jordan could do it very well. That would be funny. <laughs> but we think um, Jeremy should be in anything at this point. Just pop, pop him in and we'll find it hilarious. I didn't like how they did Ignorance and Want. Yeah. Because it's a very dark moment. Yeah. Like, the tone completely like, switches. My, the note I made was they're not, it's not done the best. But I yeah. feel like it's very hard to do properly. Yeah, because it does kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, the, it was a specific bit that they're not hidden under his cloak at all. Like, the yeah. camera slowly pans back to him, and you can see that there are two people under his cloak. They're almost, like, and they're also like you not... like, starve children to get those, like, skeletal-looking bodies. I was you about to say... really create the prosthetics that you need. Yeah, I wonder if, like, a puppet could have almost been better. Because they're not meant to be, like, childlike. They're meant to be, like, this other creature. I, they're described as childlike, but I think it's more that they're, like, malnourished. Yeah. I'll see if I can find the actual fucking quote. It's a very short section. Like, it's literally... um, It's the bit at Fred's. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's kind of sad, because the, then he says... Forgive me if I if I am not justified in what I ask, said Scrooge, looking intently at the spirit's robes. I see something strange and not belonging to yourself protruding from your skirts. Is it a foot or a claw? Yeah. It might be a claw. 
for the flesh, for the flesh there is upon it, was the spirit's sorrowful reply. Look here, from the foldings of its robe, it brought forward two children, wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. They knelt down at its feet and clung upon the outside of its garment. They were a boy and a girl, yellow, meagre, ragged, scowling, wolfish, but prostrate too in their humility. Mm-hmm. Where graceful youth should have filled their fe- their features out and touched them with its precious tints, a stale and shriveled hand, like that of age, had pinched and twisted them and pulled them into shreds. Where angels might have sat enthroned, devils lurked and glared out menacingly. No change, no no degradation. Degradation? I can't degradation? speak right now. Yeah, that's yeah, probably no it. perversion of humanity in any grade. Through all the mysteries of wonderful creation, has monsters half so horrible and dead. Uh, spirit, are they yours? They are man, said the spirit, looking down upon them. And they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. The boy is ignorance, the girl is want. Beware of them both, and all of their degree. But most of all, beware the boy. For on his brow I see that written which is doom. Unless the writing be erased, deny it. But that's a very important bit, and it's very hard to get right. No, it is very important, and the thing in, in the musical is basically just like, here's two children for my cloak, one's called ignorance, one's called want. Bye! Beware of the boy. When actually, yeah. like, ignorance and want is such a big turning point in the book, because Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come is actually quite the most gothic the book gets. Yeah. And the tone shift is abrupt, but it's not as abrupt, because you have... Yeah. and it's like this idea that the whole thing that he's saying about beware them both beware the boy more because on his brow i see that tradition which is doom is he's basically saying no matter what happens if you are aware that something is wrong and you ignore it yeah that is worse than anything else yes because there's a difference between not knowing and ignorance and mm. scrooge is ignorant like he knows that there are people starving on the street he knows that charities are trying to help them yes and he doesn't help yes and it's meant to not only awaken scrooge which mm. is why he's so like um distraught the yet to come yes but also the, the reader because once you are told about ignorance and want you can no longer well basically you can only be ignorant you can't be unknowing anymore yeah, and Dickens liked to include some more um, socially conscious themes because he did a lot of writing about, like, workhouses and how they were horrific yeah. for it. So Scrooge was kind of the embodiment of everything he hated. And almost in softening Scrooge, it's softening some of what he stands for as a person. I think it's a thing. It's a very optimistic outlook. It's very much everyone can change. The Grave Digger song went hard. Oh, my God. So, Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come was my favourite part of the entire thing. And it really, really shocked me. The only thing where I was like, I would have loved for them to include this little detail, but I'm like, I get why they didn't. There wasn't any mention or any indication of... I just have this very clear image of my English teacher explaining the language used around, like, the setting of... Yeah, it's very come. No, it's so gothic, and it's like it. You're told that the air stinks. It's like foul conditions. I think yeah, the exact like, um, wording is like penetrating it. Yeah, it's all it's all very mysterious. Like the spirit doesn't have a body. It's it's literally just described as nothing but a spectral hand and one great heap of black. Insane that they keep calling specifically yet to come the phantom. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm reading the line, quiet and dark. Beside him stood the phantom. Yeah, do you not 
get do you get jump scared every time? Yeah. Scrooge and the Phantom. Like Jesus. Um He's gonna start appearing and singing. Where's uh, Christine? Speaking of, I really liked how faithful they were that yet to come doesn't speak. Yes, it could have been so because easy. She spoke the actress because it was a woman. Okay, this is the other thing. I understand why they do it because of the way it works and because it was live action, not animated. Christmas yeah. past and Christmas yet to come are both, I feel like androgynous is the best word I can use here. I mean, they're, they're like not, it doesn't matter. They're specifically described as neither boy or girl. Yes. Like that's Christmas past. It's a like a little fairy of light. It's a very weird thing. Yeah, it's like a mythical being. Like yeah. otherworldly. Yet to come is like the Grim Reaper, but you don't yeah. see anything. Yeah. Um, Present is the only one that isn't like a present real is form. like yeah like it's like Santa. I yeah I always imagined present as like a uh, bigger Santa. That annoyed me by the way in present when they were doing their little rockets bit. Yeah, I had a picture of Santa in the background. He was in a red suit. Mm-mm-mm. He used to be green. He was only red for Coca Cola. Do your research. Come on, guys. I could have told you that when I was like eight. <laughs> they only made him red. I also had to double check because I was like, I don't entirely know. If Santa was a How thing. How popular Santa was in no. the 1880s. I don't think he was a thing, really. He was, so I had to look it up. He became okay. popular in Britain in the early 1800s. So they're oh, okay. cutting it close. Yeah. But he was a real thing. Okay, so obviously I liked like the ro- the robbing scene. I think yet to come was the bit when you most realise, oh, this is like a dream. Yeah. When the bed just appears in the graveyard. Because I yeah. feel like in the book, it's impli- it's at least implied, maybe explicitly stated, that he's taken to his house and he sees his dead body in the bed. Or, yes. No, it's like that he sees his belongings being sold. And he's yes, like, he I've sees his what belongings happened? being stole- stolen on a back street in London. And it's because the thing is, like, in the musical, he sees his own dead body and then he's shown his grave with his, ne- with his name. Yeah, because it's... Because the whole thing is, he sees all of these things happening. You're like, this is horrific. Who would ever deserve such a thing as this? Yeah. And then he finds out it's him. Yeah, because there's such, like, a mystery around whose name is on the grave. One moment I did like was when Scrooge was making his I'll be good and merry and I'll love Christmas and the... Uh, the What is the exact word? I will live with both the past present and yet to come i loved that moment in the musical and how they had the home theme yeah and also the bit when i didn't entirely understand why it happened but when he was in the graveyard and then he saw the little smythe girl for god's sake but then all these other children came in and i was like this is very much you know the children of the future inspire them i think that's the thing the reason and i guess this kind of ties it all back to what we're saying about making Scrooge too likable. Yeah. The whole reason Scrooge is like a dick in uh-huh. the musical at least is because of what his father told him, which is yes. to save money and never spend a penny so he can always be rich. Yeah. And that's it's a bit stupid because it's very one dimensional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the reason he's the way he is. Mm. And so then there's this whole idea which is that he has to go and be nice to children. Yeah. So that, because, you know, he's doing what happened to his father, which is like putting people into debt. Mm-hmm. And like that, again, the bit with fucking Smythe. Mm. When he's bringing his daughter with him and being like, I just need a little bit more time. It's like, fuck you. Uh, I think that's a nice bit. It's not entirely faithful to the book. Um, no, but I feel like in a moment like that bit, 
you can take a lot more creative liberties because yeah. it's quite vague and especially since there is such a large chorus to it it's nice to bring everyone yeah. back whilst they say that at that moment that's when i cried when i was watching it yeah i shed some tears and i normally never shed any tears i'm like yay scrooge is good now i was like no scrooge is scrooge is good now but it's not a compliment i cried a lot last week yeah i was like i was really like i'm not gonna get emotional so like it's a christmas carol yeah. i know what happened i'm not gonna I get know emotional. what happens like the back of my hand <laughs> a bit with fan and um scrooge when they were writing the letters and singing to each other like across the country or whatever wherever yeah. it was I was like, this is really sad. This is really this sad. Is really sad. I thought for a moment that maybe Fran had been like, um, was also working as like a maid in one of the houses. I was she might have been, but I don't know why I thought that, but I did. The bit I really like. So I think the ending is kind of hard to fuck up, like him just being nice and buying yeah. the, the, the chicken, turkey, turkey, surprise turkey. Yeah, it's very hard to fuck up. It's a pretty easy bit. The bit I really like was the bit at the end when he's going to Fred's house mm. and he, he knocks on the door and mm. then the camera pans back to show you the door and show it opening to Fred and right before he opens the door you get a very clear shot of the door and it's a red door mm. and it's a place called home and he opens the door and he's like I'm here to spend Christmas with you and I was like oh my god it's a place called home I think maybe we could have done a tiny bit more with the closing number it's hard, it's hard to fuck up I think my overall thoughts with it, it was good, but I felt the thing is, it's not like it was anything special. Like, yeah, the bits I got emotional at are the bits you're supposed to get emotional at. The They've been designed like, for this adaptation to make you emotional at them, yeah. where normally you're not. The bits out of the ordinary for me were more the bits I didn't like. Like, it was like the changes from the book to the, and again, I, I'm not going to stand here and be like, it has to be like, Christmas, a Christmas Carol the Musical has to be entirely faithful to A Christmas Carol the Novella by Charles Dickens. Otherwise, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, no, because I think it's a Christmas I, Carol. Who I were cares? To, yeah, if I were to see it, which I think I actually have seen a production of A Christmas Carol, they were doing it at our local theatre, and I have a very vivid memory of going to see it with one of my friends. It does the old Vic now, like it used to be Madison Square. Yeah. Um, Different production. It's the old book, like every year. Yeah. Different production. But yeah, well, we. I'm a little bit it's on like that. Christopher Eccleston. At the moment, it's Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Elf the musical. We could have done Elf, but unfortunately, I've never seen Elf, the film or the musical, so we couldn't do it because I wasn't willing to watch it. But um, then I was like, no, I am willing about, to watch a Christmas Carol the musical. We talked about going to see it, and then we saw the ticket prices and went, nah. It's just a Christmas musical. They put it on at Christmas. You go and see it at Christmas. It's about Christmas. It will hit the end of January and it will close. Um. Yeah. It's, like, I... it's not meant to be something that makes you think really deeply about yourself. Yeah. Or no. like, it's meant to stick with you year round. It's just like, eh, it's Christmas. One thing... Let's go watch a Christmas carol. Yeah. One thing that we haven't brought up in relation to Christmas and Christmas theatre yet. I can't believe we've made it this far in the episode without mentioning it. Is I was thinking about it and I was like, why has it never been had like a full scale production here? And I was like, well, Again, all of the big theatres are being used for pantos. And I think it's like a mix of things. Pantos are very classic in the UK for Christmas. Yeah, if you, how would you explain a panto? Rocky Horror Picture Show, but PG. Yeah, for kids. P- yeah, PG. 
Yeah. I mean, I did once see one called Dick Whittington and his cat, and it made all the jokes you thought it would, and it was, like, for children. That was pretty shit. But, no, we love pantos in the UK. They are a massive part of Christmas culture here. They happen at... um... Our you know, biggest you know the joke, which is like he's behind you. Yeah, that's panto. It's like an, it um, means pantomime, by the way. Yeah, I don't know pantomime. if we explain that. Panto means pantomime. Pantomime. Um, if you guys have seen the clip, if you've seen the clips, um, Spamalot's curtain call where they have the screen, then they have like words on it. Yeah, the thing along there is very common in panto. Um, traditionally, I don't know how much they, I haven't been to a pantomime in a couple of years. No, no, but like well, I, I have. There's this kind of trope. This pantomime we went to did do. I don't know how many professional pantomimes still do it. I'm guessing okay, a yeah. lot of them because it's very common. It's this idea of there's like a Dane character. Yes, an Danes. older woman who is played by a man in a dress, and they put him. Republicans drag, would lose their Republicans minds. Republicans look away. It's not drag. Like you're not yeah. meant to believe in any sense that it is a woman. You know yeah. it is a man in a dress. He will be billed not under a like drag name as I think sometimes not commonly, but I have seen it done that they're billed under drag names. I think if they have drag queens playing the character, then yes. yes. Or but that's or a different often type. the evil queen, often the villain is played by drag queens sometimes. Yeah. So it's the thing the dame is like an older character who's like the comedic relief and that's usually just played by a man in a dress they're normally and like then... someone's mother and they've got some name like wishy-washy you are literally just saying what musical we the musical what panto we saw no 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 no. i think it's very common name it's like dame something or like lady Mrs. it's like lady like household appliance and they'll have like a ridiculous costume. It's very like a master dress. Is over. I don't know why we're getting so into explaining the Dane character, but it's just a very integral part of sometimes. Yeah, like they're just they're fun, and but over Christmas time they happen all across the UK. And yeah, so like um, amateur ones. There's like well-known panto groups, and then there's the panto, which is at the London Palladium. So like um, this which has stars this year. Like the the London panto at the palladium i believe it's peter pan, peter pan. and it is a stacked cast yes yeah, yeah no she's like built like quite low down which it just shows it's how got, stacked yeah. of a cast it's it is you have like a celebrity in there yes yeah, yeah yeah it's the kind of thing that i could see like judy dench doing judy i think judy dench has done panto. she definitely has it's kind of thing, and like, like you'll see this cast and be like judy dench is in this like Likely place for her to be. Like, yeah. And, like, all of the big regional theatres, um, like, so touring houses, touring shows normally go into, don't have shows in them at this time of year. They'll just have pantos running. But and, like... That is, that's, that's the traditional Christmas entertainment in the UK. Yeah. So we don't have a... We don't really have a, a Christmas spectacular. We don't really have a Christmas carol because we don't need it. We've got our own yeah. culture around it. Like, you get, like, we were talking about, like, Elf. Elf goes on every year. But that normally goes into the Dominion, and I think when the Devil Wears Prada moves in, it won't come. Yeah. I, I'm used to the... has no reason to go into a big house and do a proper production. Also because it would be there for a few months. There's no reason for it to... No one is going to go see it in August. Yeah, something like The Old Vic, which has a rotating um, yeah. array of shows. It makes sense for that. There's something like the Dominion where it's not actually set up for like 
a rotating thing of shows. It's just how it's been for the past since COVID, basically. I d- I could not find very much information about the London runs. The one I know for certain is that it was closed early in 2021 because we went back into a lockdown. Yeah. For the TV movie, Variety said it is the 37th best production of A Christmas Carol I've ever seen. Probably the third best musical version behind Albert's Finley in Scrooge and Mr. Margot? Magoo. Even with those disclaimers, it's still pretty good, which said something about the enduring appeal of the Dickens stories, adapted from Broadway, populated with with spirits of NBC's past and present. Kelsey Grammer, Jason Alexander, Jesse L. Martin. It's not a bad way to close out the Thanksgiving weekend with a well-deserved break from the NBC dramas wrestling with desperate housewives. I like the fact that this man has a list of all of his favourite um, Christmas Carol adaptations. I'm like, I, I like them. Not do that at the beginning. No, I like the Muppets, but like, you couldn't tell me past that. I'm like, yeah, I know that there's Muppets, been a ton. Barbie animated, and now this. LA Times said these days the ghost ghost of pr- Christmas present is the Chase Manhattan Bank selling a credit card for the holidays. That's who called me while I was watching a Christmas Carol. The latest incarnation of the Charles Dickens classic, starring Kelsey Grammer as Ebenezer Scrooge, and airing at nine on Saturday night on NBC. The Chase guy didn't phone any of the hit themes of A Christmas Carol. Didn't ask if I had enough love in my life. Though in fairness, I didn't keep him that long. Okay, I hung up on him. A short time later, Grammer as Scrooge, being led by the ghost of Christmas past, Jane Kagowski, into a courtroom in old timey England where Scrooge relives. His the child the traumatic childhood scene in which his father is sent to prison for non-payment of debt. Save your pennies, make your fortune high, and keep it. Is the last thing Scrooge's father tells his son after he's bled away. This ambition is supposedly to haunt this young Scrooge into adulthood, making him mean and misery and morally out of whack. I found it solid financial advice. They're agreeing with us. That's what I'm saying. He had a point. Yeah. In fact, I wonder how Christmas Carol might have been changed if Dickens was writing at the time when his phone liable was liable to ring with a guy offering him a $500,000 limit and 0% interest. Dude, you've got to let it go that telemarketer called you. Like, I get having an anecdote, but Jesus yeah. Christ. You, it, it's like your third time bringing it up. Have like another guy who just kept talking about his like mental breakdown was being Anastasia. <laughs> what is the people who are reviewing uh Flaherty shows and being like, anyway, here's my personal weird anecdote about seeing it. The in this musical version, based on the holiday production that opened ten years ago at Madison Square Garden. I know that musicals on TV are rushed, it's hot rough, it's harder to get a sense of their bigness too. Then too, Christmas Carol is great, timeless story, and Alistair Slim Sim in the 1951 version, left a deep impression. All of this is to say, the first 15 minutes is one where I kept thinking, less singing, more talking. Let Dickens come out, please. Then I gave myself into the production, to the songs, and to Tiny Tim and his bum leg, and it eventually won me over. I agree. His <laughs> Not his bum leg, his rickets. His rickets. His... Tiny Tim has rickets. Um, I agree, though. Like, the first 15 minutes are rough. You just have to get into it. Yeah. It takes a moment to get into. I gave myself over uh, to that, that this was Broadway on my TV, courtesy of composer Alan Menken and lyrics by Lynn Ahrens. And the book by the late Mike Two, seeing the actors such as Jason Alexander, 
such as yeah, special effects helped too. Seeing actors such as Jason Alexander, Jennifer Love Hewitt in period costumes gave the production an air of silliness that I found it. A Christmas Carol is directed by Arthur Allen Seidman, exclusive producer by Robert Hellman, uh, master of lavish TV events. Here, grammar moves. Here, grammar moves from crow to benevolent in body language. He's tipped over spinning from the start. Eventually comes to strengthen his posture and open his eyes. Grammar, grammar's natural charisma, even when trying to be mean, helps you melt into the whole thing. So this is basically saying it is not a text issue that it's the actor. Yeah, it's the actor. Which I don't, I mean we've not seen another production, so we don't know. So the production was no, yeah. he's he it, no he no he to Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, he was great. I'm just saying. I feel like he was written like the things that happened to Scrooge. It made you too sympathetic towards. Him. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, like, I he understand. acted it great, and I really felt sympathetic towards him in part yeah. because of his acting. Yeah, but it was more sympathetic than I should feel towards him. Yeah. So, um, it would play London for the first time with it being done in 2016 at the Lyceum Theatre with the uh, cast including Robert Lindsay as Scrooge, Carrie Hope Fletcher as Emily. Which... I saw that and her, like her sister-in-law as yeah Giovanna Fletcher as Miss Cratchit. They have had some of the same cast. They've had um Andrew Andrew. I was gonna say Andrew Lloyd Webber, and it definitely was I would love him. to see that. Um, Andrew Keenan Bolger has been in it. If Andy would like to play Scrooge, I would love it so much. Andy but... as Scrooge, Sarah Brightman as Emily. Here we are, guys. <laughs> Cameron McIntosh as um. Marley. Do you think he's oh, Freddie Wig or Marley? Good. Marley's good. Marley, yeah. When you found out that Carrie Hope Fletcher played Emily, you were like, you know, when you just hear casting, that makes sense. Yeah, it it sounds. <laughs> I was right. like, yeah, but okay. I don't think we've ever we've ever mentioned it. But Carrie <laughs> Carrie Hope Fletcher's brother is in was in a massive band in like the early two thousands. Yeah, and that's kind of how she got her start. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, because there's like um, so there were these concerts, which would have the musical theatre orchestra playing the score, and then it would return the next year to the Lyceum, which I couldn't find any information on the casting. They had an I'm a celeb winner as um Emily in 2020. Yeah, Jacqueline Joshua. She's on EastEnders. Yeah. I was like, why do, why does her name sound familiar? Because I don't watch EastEnders, and then um I was like, oh, I'm a celeb. Which I don't really watch, but like I hear it. Here's the other thing, right? Do you know yeah. who else was in the production in 2020? Lucy Jones was in it in 2020. Yeah, yeah. She was Ghost of Christmas, yet pres- past. 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 That makes sense, though. Yeah. Some other casting where I'm like, yeah. Check it out. It would p- play The Dominion in 2020 with Brian Conley headlining the show as it was scheduled to run between the 7th of September, not September, December 2020. December. Yeah, until the 2nd of January 2021. Again, the Musical Theatre Orchestra would be performing alongside them. However... Here we go. Here we go, baby! Um, The run would end early on the 15th of December 2020 when London was placed into Tier 3 restrictions. What a time. Yeah, so basically London was isolated from the rest of the country for like two <laughs> weeks. Crazy. It was wild. Well. 
15th of December 2020. Yeah, but I have a and then like because tier three was like theaters and clubs had to stop, and then the next one up was full. Anyway, yeah. So COVID weird time, weird weird time for the theater. So as we said, there would be another production of a Christmas Carol that is very notable in the London theatre scene, which is done at the Old Vic, which is a place that we like a lot. We love the Old Vic. We've only been once. But it was a magical experience. I've been twice. Nell's been twice. I've seen uh, other stuff at the Old Vic, I just couldn't tell you what. Yeah, I've seen stuff that started at the Old Vic, for sure. They would have their own adaptation of A Christmas Carol, with it starting in 2017 as a play, and it was written by Jack Fawn. It is apparently done in the round with on-stage seating and a walkway through the centre of the stalls that create a more immersive environment for the audience and the performers. And the performers, like, hand out mince pies and and satsumas to the audience before the show. That does sound really fun, actually. It would play Broadway in 2019 making it a play that yeah so it would be it would it'd be nominated for a lot of tonys it would win five yeah this was the western show that was just randomly in the tony awards yeah so do you know what what the tony award where i'm like how the hell did it win that best original score music and or lyrics written for the theater it was kind of an insane year let's be real let, no, let's 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 be real. Um, it also won costume design of a play, lighting design of a play, sound design of a play. I feel like we have we've definitely already looked at the 2020 training awards, but let's look but, again. Oh no, we had, but I had to cut it because it was when we did our hours deep dive. Maybe over oh, Christmas boy. as a nice little treat for all of you. All. Matthew Morrison was performing. Ah, maybe as a little treat over Christmas, I'll just release that as like a little. I need to add it, but yeah, maybe. Yeah, so Christmas oh, Carol be, huh? Norm Lewis was there? I'm literally just looking at... Fucking hell. Jack and Little Pill got 15 nominations. It's not good. Why the fuck did they get 15? It is so funny to me. Every time I, like, scroll down, it's like, yeah, okay, normal, you know, normal plays, normal musicals up for the Tony Awards. And then we got to A Christmas Carol, and I was like, I don't remember there being a production of A Christmas Carol eligible for a Tony that year. Mm. And you look at it, and it's the old Vic in London. Yeah. It's the old Vic production, so it has to be like build like that. But the thing is, it's on the like again. I'm on Wikipedia, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But it's like it's just listed as like whoever won the award, and then a Christmas from in a Christmas Carol, and then you like hover over the Christmas Carol bit, and it will take mm. you to the old Vic. It, um, they won four different awards, five different. Jesus. That's fucking ridiculous. They won Best Original Score, Best Scenic Design, Best Costume Design, Best Lighting Design, and Best Sound Design, all of a play, of course. Mm. Preference of all of those. <laughs> Moulin Rouge won in the musical section. Ugh. Do you remember when Aaron Tveit won a Tony because he was the only guy nominated? Yeah. Aaron Tveit stands don't yeah. come for me. No, I think... If he deserved the win. No, he deserved the win. It just makes me laugh. Like, what if he didn't win? What if? I like I remember all the jokes at the time of being like, guys, I'm really worried Aaron Tomate isn't gonna get his Tony. Like, he deserves his Tony so much, but what if he doesn't get it? What if what if it, what if it what if he doesn't get it? Like that's so funny. Anyway. I think I think that's that's a Christmas carol. That's a Christmas carol. We have finished our last show of the year. Cause next week 
It's our much anticipated year in the view. We have been talking about doing this. It's for anticipated months. by us more than anyone else, I think. Yeah. You're finally gonna get answers like our full thoughts on mincemeat. You're gonna get to see It's um... not even gonna be full. I was saying this before we started. I was like, I don't think the year in review is gonna take that long to record because it's gonna be we're just doing a tier list each. So I think it's yeah. gonna be maybe like five minutes per show because we'll talk about it a bit. And then the actual episode will be quite short because a lot of that can be cut because we're going to be saying the same thing. Yeah. And I was like, however, we're going to talk for like an hour each on mincemeat Yeah. how much we hate it. Yeah. So I... it's going to take like 10 hours to record because it's going to bitch about mincemeat. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it though because I think that I'm just looking at my list right now and I'm like, some of these shows we've kind of skirted around talking about and not had the opportunity to yet. And some of them yeah. I don't think we're going to do as episodes. Um, But no, I'm excited to talk about these shows, actually. I think it's, even if it's relatively brief, I think it'll be really fun to finally, like, rank them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm excited to, yeah, get, in, get into some of these things. Because, like, I'm looking at this list of shows and it's pretty epic. Yeah. Why do Wide, wide range. Um, can you talk about actually some of my favorite musicals? Hmm, it'll be really fun. I feel like this has been a good year for us for theatre. I've seen the most shows I've ever seen in my life, like this year. Yeah, and we saw a lot of them in really quick succession. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, like, I think that's it for this one. I think that's it. I'm yeah. Um. Merry Christmas, happy holidays if you don't celebrate Christmas. Come back next week. Happy holidays. Um, come back next week to hear us talk about the year in review and maybe talk about what we're excited for for next year. It'll be fun. It'll be be fun. It'll be a fun, nice celebration. I should have thumbs up. You guys can't see that. Anyway. Bye-bye.